1: Hi guys, today we've got a special guest on the podcast. His name is Mike Lynn. He is the co-founder and CFO of Pray.com. So Pray.com, if you've not heard of that before, that is the world's number one app for daily prayer and faith-based audio content. And so they're driven by the mission to grow faith and cultivate community. And Mike actually helped start Pray.com back in 2016. But before I get into kind of what we talked about in the interview, I got to be honest. Every time I do an interview, I do as much preparation as I feel comfortable as is needed in order to create, you know, good content, to create a good conversation. And so with this one, it's like, well, there wasn't a book to read. There wasn't a a bunch of, you know, YouTube videos I had to watch or anything like that. So it's like, to a degree, I was like, okay, what am I going to talk about? So I I dug into the app. I dug into the reviews of the app. You know, I dug into this guy's uh, past, you know, looked at his bio and looked at some different things, but I kind of decided, I'm like, you know what, we're just going to kind of wing it a little bit which isn't really my style. I like to have some level of preparation. So I kind of have an idea of like, you know, Hey, if this guy sucks to talk to, at least we'll have my 10 questions that he has to answer. And, you know, it'll create some sort of a narrative for you guys. But man, I couldn't have been more pleased with how this conversation went today because there weren't a whole lot of parameters. I kind of had a generalized idea, but there were even a lot of things that I wrote down that we didn't get to because we didn't have time because he just kept saying things that like, I guess I wasn't expecting him to say, or he was just answering things in a way that was unique, that kind of opened up all these other different things. So I just enjoyed the way that the conversation went because specifically you would think, okay, this guy's part of a co-founding group of an app. So he's, you know, he's a tech guy, like he's an engineer. Well, no, his background's in Merrill Lynch, you know, it's in financial management, asset protection, those types of things. But the story he told about why he got into that line of work really kind of gave us a scaffolding for who he is as a person and how that basically propelled him to do what he's doing now with Prey.com. But then we get, into the founding of pray.com kind of where that came from. And it kind of really was born a little bit out of tragedy, but then what the app has been able to do since 2016, how it's grown exponentially, how fast it grew, the impact that it's having. He even read a review that man almost like brought me to tears while he was reading it because he's saying, this is the impact that our app is having. But also I know about you guys. I know about your audience. I know about me. Some of you guys are going to go to the app and you're gonna be like, wait a minute. There's some people in this app that you know they're they're basically heretics. Like they're they're spreading sacrilege and it's a biblical stuff and all that. But we engage with that that topic quite a bit about like hey why are there so many people on the app that kind of seem to you know go this direction with theology or go this direction. And we we engaged on that. And I really really enjoyed his his answers to that. But then we talked about you know why they put the content behind a paywall and how Christians get really really uncomfortable whenever Christians charge money or ask for money or things like that. But we also talk about you know just the overall direction of where the country is going. And how things like pray.com can have an impact on that. Because as I've talked about a lot on the show before, a lot of conservatives, a lot of well-meaning, nice people just get pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. And then they never respond. They never get into the battle. They never push back against the darkness and culture. And you have to have people doing that. And certainly the guys over at pray.com are trying to be that. So guys, I really, really enjoyed my time with them. So without further ado, let's get into it. Mike Lynn, welcome to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast.
0: I'm so stoked. This is going to be fun. Let's get, uh, let's get weird.
1: Well, you know what? Here's the thing is when people are stoked from the beginning, that makes me feel like, Oh, well maybe I need to get them unstoked. Maybe I should ask them a bunch of really, really tough questions. Cause I don't want you to be super comfortable there, but you seem like you can think on your feet. Is that a fair assessment?
0: It is. It is. And I'm willing to, uh, you know, say things that could get me canceled, but, uh, you know, right. Isn't that more fun when you're yeah. just open and honest with things, right?
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not fun when you're hanging out way over away from the cliff. You kind of have to get close to it to peek over the edge to see how, right. how close you are to potential ruin. But before we get to all the stuff that might potentially get both of us canceled, we need to talk a little bit about your background because that provides the scaffolding for some of the stuff that you're doing now. But your background really seemingly from the outside doesn't have a whole lot to do with what you're doing now. And again, we'll get there. Your background is in financial management, political affairs, and asset protection, which sounds terrible. It sounds like super boring and awful and all those types of things, but apparently you were pretty good at it. So take me through that. You know, what drew you to, to that yeah. thing and, you know, why'd you do that for work?
0: Thank you for asking. Um, let's start off with my background. So I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. So if you don't know much about Green Bay, uh, you probably know about the Green Bay Packers, but you probably don't know anything else. Um, that's true. Super small, blue collar town. Uh, I was raised Catholic. So that's my faith background and um you know my father worked in a paper mill in green bay for 49 years Hmm. literally opened the same door to go to work for 49 years straight and when you grow up and you watch your father grind in a blue collar job like that it shapes you as a person your work ethic changes like it it, it's ingrained in you because you watch somebody just work so hard
1: and, and Mike, if I could, if I could even hop in here, my dad just retired after over 40 years at a blue collar job working at the Goodyear tire and rubber company in Lott, wow. Oklahoma. And so I know the exact same thing. Like people like to talk, talk down about, Oh, well, that's, that's a blue collar job. That's not white collar. It's like, no, you don't understand what, what that grind looks like and the sacrifice that those people put in for, for their time, for their bodies. Like it's impressive. That that's why I I, I give it up to guys like your dad and like my dad.
0: Yeah. Well, congrats to your dad. That's an impress- uh, impressive career. And, um, you know, the, it is a mental toll. And um, the reality is growing up watching someone do that, you can't complain about things. Yeah. Right. You just can't complain. And, you know, we, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. Um, I was the first person in my family to go to college out of high school. So I went to University of Wisconsin and planned on being a marketing major. So That was the path. I thought, I'm like, I'm going to get into marketing. This is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. And um, while I was at Wisconsin, my parents got divorced and in a divorce, uh, there's a separation of assets Mm -hmm. and we didn't have much assets to separate, but my mom went and took her portion of the settlement, the divorce settlement to a financial advisor who swindled her out of a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my path changed. I said, I can never let that happen to my mom ever again. I can never let that happen to anyone in my family, my friends. I'm going to change my major to finance. I'm going to learn about money. And that's how I got into, into finance is because of this, this event that happened with my mom, which my poor mom didn't deserve that. Yeah, She went to a professional to help her. And so the next 13 years of my life, I was at Merrill Lynch, and I was managing really the some of the top 1% uh, in the country and really in the world. Uh, I was managing three quarters of a billion dollars of, of individuals assets, uh, by the end of my career. And, um, you know, being able to understand money to the point where if anybody ever asked me a question about how to manage money, like I would know how know the answer of how to help them. That's the real, um, gift that I got. Um, and here's the good news of this story, by the way, my mom's all taken care of. She's yeah. in a good spot. She's hanging out in Green Bay. She's she's living the life, but uh, it was certainly um, you know rough waters back then when when that happened to her.
1: So. I may be reading in this into this a little bit uh, too much and I, I'm i not a counselor and you're not laying on my couch talking to me about it, but it would seem like you can't stomach injustice. And I don't mean that in the 2022 sense of like, anytime someone asks you where you're from, that that's somehow some sort of microaggression nonsense. I mean like real injustice. Like your your mom was, was as you said, swindled. Is that something that kind of comes out in your personality? Because people always ask me, they're like, Kyle, oh, why are you so... Uh, loud about the, the pro-life issue. I was like, because there's no more, uh, like susceptible person or no more, uh, you know, unhelpable person than someone that's in the womb that can't defend themselves. So it's like, it's the ultimate form of bullying. It's the ultimate form of injustice. Like, do you have kind of a, a justice streak in your personality?
0: You, you nailed it. Um, it, there's a fire, like I get angry about it. Um, mm. you know, I'm, I, I'm the CFO of pray.com and we can get into all that stuff in a second, but Part of my job is protection. Uh, finance is actually risk management. That's actually the number one thing in finances. Don't lose it, right? Don't be the, you know, SBFs of the world. You gotta protect people. Yeah. And I think that really started after seeing, you know, what happened to my mom because she was the most innocent of innocent. You know, she, she was a homemaker. You know, she would do jobs of like, you know, driving the school bus. She would be a substitute teacher. You know, she raises his kids and to have somebody who pretends to be a professional do that to her, um, you know, it really made me angry. And um, that was part of the reason I got into finance is like, here's a job, here's a job where I can protect people constantly. Like my job is to take the people that don't know what they're doing and go, don't worry, I will protect you. I will make sure what happened to my mom never happens to you. And I think that happens just outside of finance too. I think that's just in my brain. And, you know, there's tons of topics that happen, you know, in our culture right now that it's like, is this fair? Should this be happening? And we can go down the list. You can look at Twitter and all these different platforms um, that really have, have throttled, you know, religious conversations as well. And, and so um, that is definitely in my DNA, no doubt.
1: Well, every worldview is a religion. If you ultimately think about it that way, because if you go back, you know, there was an apologist that taught me, you know, origin, meaning morality, destiny, every worldview has to answer those questions. Origin, where do we come from? Meaning why are we here? Morality, what's the difference between good and evil and destiny? Where do we go when we die? And even if you claim to be a secular atheist, you have to answer those four questions. Even if you're, you know, just a humanist or like, Hey, we're all just, you know, monk, you know, Highly evolved monkeys that used to be lower evolved monkeys that used to be fish that used to be goo that used to be stardust. Like you still have to answer for that. But for you and what I know about your background, Mike, is that it seems like you always had something in you that I don't believe that everybody has, which is that entrepreneurism bug as well. But, you know, I have familiarity with uh, the financial planning world and, and the insurance world and things like that. And I have a lot of friends that work in that. To a degree, you can be entrepreneurial, but not fully because there's so much regulation, there's licensing and all that stuff. And it's like, you can't just go willy-nilly. It's to protect people like your mom from people like the person that took advantage of her. Like, so you can't be super, super duper entrepreneurial. But you always kind of kept your eye out, seemingly for the right idea, like that thing that was going to come that was perhaps more meaningful to you, not to say that your work with Merrill Lynch was not meaningful, but maybe it was that next level, that next thing, that, that next horizon. And then the right idea seemingly... Jumped out and bit you, okay? And so uh, I won't, you know, ruin the story, but you can take the story from there.
0: Yeah. So uh, just to double tap on the finance, highly regulated. Yeah. Highly regulated. Every trade that I put in, somebody had to approve it. Every single email that I sent, every single one was yep. reviewed by somebody in an office next to me. And so people would review every single email. So uh, yeah, it's entrepreneurial in the fact that you have to go get your own clients, and you have this banner behind you that says the you know the name of the firm you're with. Um, But to your point, it was really never unleashing the true like entrepreneurial spirit. It's very difficult to do that in that environment. And, you know, I moved from Green Bay to L.A. in 2008. And the reason I moved is I had applied to USC for their MBA program and got in. And the only reason I applied is they were the number two entrepreneurship program in the country uh, as a part time institution. So you could go to USC for entrepreneurship as a part-time endeavor, which is by the way, hilarious because you can't go to college for entrepreneurship. Like it's the most ridiculous (laughs) thing you can do. And I didn't know that. I was like, Oh, you know, I don't have an idea. Maybe I'll just go to this, you know, these college classes and I'll meet somebody in in class and we'll come up with something awesome. And so I moved to LA in 08. And while I was there, um, there there's this thing in, in, in LA that was kind of happening. It was called Silicon beach. Okay. And basically Silicon Valley had a bunch of people that were sick of San Francisco and they moved to LA because it was warmer. And all these media companies were starting uh, businesses. Hulu came out of here, Snapchat, et cetera. And um, it was just this environment where startups were happening like all the time. Um, and I went to this conference. I was sitting at this conference. It was for USC, UCLA entrepreneurs. I was not. I was not one of them, but I was sitting in the conference and there was this panel of people And I was listening uh, to this panel and there's this guy standing up who was literally owning the room, like just dominating. Nobody was asking questions to anybody else in the panel. Everyone wanted to talk to this guy. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but this is somebody I have to get to meet. Like, I have to know who this guy is. And so after the um, conference, I approached him and I was like, man, like that was awesome. I'm, I'm from USC. You're from USC. And I wanted to get to know him as a friend. But also, Kyle, I was still working at Merrill Lynch. I'm like, dude, I'm going to get this guy's account. Mm. Like, this guy's successful. He's a serious yeah, right. Like, I'm trying to get business done, too. And so I became friends with him. Um, and there was a tragic event that happened in his life where his business partner died in a plane crash on on September 11th of 2015 in okay. Medellin. Yeah. So this is the genesis, pardon the pun, of how we started Pray.com. Is his business partner died, and it was in a very tragic way. And um, I think I don't know if you've ever experienced a tragic death, and I hope you never do, um, where somebody dies younger than they should. And and you know, really, it was an event that shook him to the core. I remember him calling me up about it, and I was just like, I was shocked just as much as he was telling me about it. And he didn't know how to cope with it. And I think most people, when they grow up in a faith background, they have somewhere to fall upon. They go, oh, you know, I, I understand why this is happening. There's a bigger meaning here. You can fall upon your faith to help you get through some tragic things. And he didn't have that. Um, he, he was, um, when he was raised, his mom was Jewish. His dad was Catholic and his grandma would drag him to church. And he just wasn't interested in it. You know, he just never kind of latched onto it. He was more into computers and, and sports and football. And so when he told me about his business partner dying, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, I felt so felt so bad for him. <clears throat> I went to the memorial service for him, and I saw him just be a stoic leader, just be an absolute stoic leader in this business that had 100, you know, 50 employees, and he was the CEO of this business. And the guy that started the business died, and he has to like take it from its ashes and continue on. And he started listening to podcasts. So he started listening to podcasts. Some of it was like Tony Robbins stuff, Deepak Chopra, even Oprah, Super Soul Sunday, okay. and listen to all this stuff. And when you live in California, um, you do some weird stuff. You go to Soul Cycle, you do power yoga, like you you <laughs> drink green juices, like you do all this crazy stuff to like help you get over, you know, just living here. And um, yeah, so this this event happens. He listens to this this content and a friend sends him a pastor's podcast out of Texas. And the first thing he said, I was like, dude, there's no way I'm listening to this Jesus stuff. Like I'm not interested in it. I already know it. Like, I'm not going to listen to this podcast. And his friend said, dude, you're listening to Oprah super soul Sunday. I think he can listen to this podcast from a person like, it's not going to hurt you, dude. He listens to it and he goes, wow, this is legitimately helping me get over my business partner dying. I'm listening to it every single day. It's like he's talking about me. And that was a moment of change in his life. He's like, I didn't even know this content existed. Like, I didn't even know you could go find this stuff. He's like, why is it so hard to find this stuff? And that's when he told me about it. I'd actually called him up to see what he was going to do, you know, after, um, you know, his business partner dying. And He said, hey, why don't you come have pizza with me up in Westlake Village, which is just outside of uh, L.A.? And we will talk about what I'm going to do next. And as soon as I got there, he said, pray.com, the digital destination for faith. Like that was the first thing he said to me. This is the summer of 2016 to give you a little context of where I'm at. And I was just like, I couldn't believe he said that. I was like, wait a minute, pray.com. Like no way you have that domain name. Yeah. How
1: in the world is that available?
0: (laughs) I was just like, I don't even believe you, man. Like there's no way you have it. Uh, The story to that is uh, a friend, an entrepreneur friend of his uh, just happened to have bought a bunch of domain names, has a book of them back in like the late 80s when the internet was just coming out. And so he has a ton of domain names in this book. And uh, my business partner, Steve was like, hey, can I just look at that book and just see if there's anything in there that could resonate in terms of where I want to go with this this, uh, faith-based company? And the first thing he saw in the book, which was not the first thing in the page, but the first exact domain was pray.com. And he's like, dude, I got to have that. And his friend's like, mm, you can have it, but first we're going to have to set up a contract. And it was a very fair contract. And it ended up being, you know, worth millions of dollars after, um, you know, we got to the point where it could be worth that. But uh, he just said, you can't um, you, you can't exclude the Catholic church. He's like, you can have this domain and we'll set up a contract, but don't exclude the Catholic church from this. And we had no intention to, but that was like his one stipulation. So that's the little pre-story of pray.com and how we got the domain name. Uh, But in terms of uh, the idea, when Steve had told me he wanted this place for all faith content, um, I was like, I'm Catholic, man. Like you're talking about something that really matters to me. I just, by the way, I enrolled in this entrepreneurship class at at USC, like, is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to start a business. And you're talking about something that's getting me super excited. And um, I, I told him that night, I go, listen, I'm going to leave my 13 year career for this. Like, I'm going to give up all my clients, all my designation, all my licenses I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm going to help you build prey.com. Because I truly believed we'd have a global impact. Like that's something I knew was going to happen. And so, yeah, so we started this company back in 2016. There was actually four co-founders, two other co-founders, um, Matt Potter and Ryan Beck are our other two co-founders, and um, they're incredible people. And so we didn't have any technical co-founders. One of them was a technical co-founder, uh, Ryan Beck, who also was had gone to Bible college, of all things, an engineer that gone to Bible college. Like that's that doesn't happen. Yeah. And then the fourth guy, um, he had he had already had a, a business in which they built thousands of apps in the app store. And funny thing about him is his family started a church in um, the LA area that had, was like a backyard church to start off with, like 35 people. Hmm. And then now today, it's like 10,000 weekly attendees. So it's a huge mega church at this point. So he actually literally started a mega church with his dad as an elder. And so... It was like the perfect storm of these four of us, of four people coming together. And boom, now we start pray.com.
1: Okay. So I want to keep that momentum going because I wrote down like three or four other things I want to talk about that'll completely shoot us off into the nether regions. So maybe we can like circle, circle our way back to some of those. So you decide to start pray.com. But what does that even mean? I mean, it's because it's like you got an idea and anybody that's been in the startup world, and I've done some consulting for startups and, and different things like that. And my goodness, you have a lot of people pulling, you have a lot of people wanting to give you money uh, sometimes. And then like, there's a lot of people that want to give you influence and want to push it this way or that way. And they, they kind of want to have a hand in it. And at some point it's kind of taken out of the hands of the founders, the people that are actually willing to, you know, dedicate their entire life to it. But, but take me through those, those early days, take me through the definition of what you're going to do because y'all have the app and the website, but some people just do one or the other, you know, did you decide you were going to do both from the beginning, but especially what were the biggest challenges in the beginning, whether that be the personality fit of the four of you guys, whether that be funding, whether that be, you know, the actual building of the damn thing, like, you know, take me through all of it.
0: So um, the personalities right off the bat, shockingly, we're different people in a sense that we all had our different skill sets and none of us really fought with each other. And to the point where you're like, you got actually angry with somebody. It was like a respect angry, angry where we were respectful to each other. But when we first got together, we needed to understand the space that we were getting into. And the vision was um, to create a world where everyone leaves a legacy of helping others. So that vision is is different than you probably think create a world where everyone leaves a legacy of helping others that was the vision of this company and we were going to do that by growing faith and cultivating community we felt like we could create this environment this platform that people got on this platform they could actually help other people part of helping other people is actually getting access to this faith content we believe getting access to this faith content would help people And when you help people, you can actually create your own legacy because people remember you helping them right now. Most people think legacy is some building with your name on it, or, you know, maybe it's some awesome um, home run, you know, record that you set and that's your legacy. But how are you helping people? And that's what we felt like the vision of pray.com was going to be. We're going to create this environment to help people. and so. That's how we started the business. We literally got together and said, this is our vision. This is our mission. Here's our core values. Now let's go out and actually understand this market. So that was the first thing we had to do. And so what we did is we went to a pastor's conference, Calvary Chapel pastor conference. And um, by the way, I'm Catholic. I have never been to, at first, I barely know what a pastor means. I know what a priest is all day Mm -hmm. long. I didn't really understand what a pastor did. And I certainly had never been to an evangelical church, Protestant, had no idea. I walk in and I see, you know, TVs, guitars, uh, band, like just an environment that I had not seen before where people are in this worship singing experience right at the beginning of church. And um, I was, I was intimidated. I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like this, this is different than my church. Like we don't, say, you know, you don't raise our hand in the middle of church and like praise Jesus like this. This is different. Hmm. And we started talking to pastors that were there because we were at a pastor conference. And uh, that's my fiance. Sorry, she just rolled in. But um, (laughs) (laughs) and we're at this pastor conference and the pastors were telling them what we're going to do. We're going to start this platform to actually help them. And we were going to help them get their message out to people. And they couldn't believe it. They're like, wait a minute, you're here at this pastor conference to help us. We're here to help you. And they said, they started calling all their friends around, all their pastor friends around. They started praying for us. And they said, oh, we're, we, we're so happy you're here. We We are so blessed that you came to help us. Like, we want to tell everybody here that you're here to help us. And that was the first time I go, wait a minute, we're in this business where the people that we're serving are praying for us. Like when I was in finance, you know, my clients weren't praying for me. They were telling me, make me more money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this was a different uh, vertical than I had ever experienced before. And so after that, after experiencing that going, wow, okay, we're going to help these people get their message out to a large audience because, you know, really what they were doing is they were going on Facebook or creating these really bad websites that were just terrible places to go if you were a consumer and like the experiences were just really bad with their Mm -hmm. content. And we were saying, we're going to, we're going to digitize this in a way that's never been done before. We're going to revolutionize this space that is really the last vertical to actually um, really have a design change and a technological change. Um, You know, before the pandemic, nobody was really live streaming anything. You know, content was really just, you know, your website that you might have a video telling people about your church, but that's pretty much it. Right. And so, um, that was the vision for pray was we're going to get this content. We're going to get it to people. It's going to help a lot of people. And the amount of reviews that we have and the, and the gnarly stuff that people tell us after they use our platform, um, would blow your mind. Um, I mean, I've, I could read one here just to, just Hmm. to, tell you like what the, what people say when they use our platform. So this is a review that we got and here's how it starts. I was going to kill myself today. I left my shift today and went home to commit suicide. And then I got a text message from a friend with a link to download the pray.com app. And I wanted to let you know you saved my life. And I wanted to say, thank you. Now this is a, a police officer from the Cleveland Ohio Police Department. Obviously, I'm un- gonna unnamed, mm-hmm. and you see that, and you go, "This is what I'm talking about, legacy." Right? How many people has that guy helped and saved after him not committing suicide when he had that mo- that that moment in his brain where he's like, "I don't want to be here anymore," and so. Um, You know, you get, we are, we're, we're at a place in our business now where this happens like almost daily where we get these like just incredible reviews and you see these things happen and you go, thank God we started this thing back in 2016. Like it is helping so many people. And it's really just getting access to content in a really easy way so that people can, you know, improve their mental health, which nobody wants to have to admit to necessarily, but faith content does improve mental health. It really does. And it's probably not been thought that way before, but that's something that, you know, we've seen just in these reviews for people. It's like, oh, this is saving people lives. This is this is helping people get through very difficult things.
1: I appreciate you giving us all that all that detail. Obviously, as as everyone knows that he's using the app, the app grew really, really fast. You got a bunch of users. How many users do you have do you guys yeah. have today roughly?
0: Yeah. So we have 14 million downloads. We don't disclose uh, any specific statistics because we're a private company, but um, millions of people use it every single month.
1: Okay, so, so millions of people that are using it and, and it got there in relatively short order, especially kind of in the app world. Because I mean- how many people have just created an app and like they downloaded it on their phone, their buddy's phone, and their grandma's phone, and then that was it? And so, like to, to have any type of traction at all is pretty impressive, which kind of speaks to the whole initial group because you can get a group of superstars together, but how many bands have you seen where they take the best basses from this band, the best singer from that band, and then they come together and they make the worst music possible? And so, like this creating a super group is not an easy thing to do. But I guess as the app stands right now, so as of the recording of this in December of 2022, what is the best way for someone to use the app? Because like when you download the app or when you go to the website and you do all those different things, some people might be confused about what what they're supposed to do and all that, but how is the app intended to be used?
0: Yep, Uh, daily prayer. So that's the the number one usage of of the platform is every single day, we provide you a daily devotional. It's a piece of scripture. And it's actually read to you if you want to hear the audio version of it. And we just, we read a a verse and then we explain what the verse means. And so every single morning we have a daily prayer. And that's the number one um, most listened to viewed piece of content in our platform is that people want to start their day off hearing uh, scripture. They want to hear something positive. They want to understand the Bible. There's a whole host of reasons why people like, want this daily habit um but having that to start off your day is the number one thing in our platform that people love and then they go you know what there's a bunch of really interesting content past that and you may want to listen to you know um james earl jones read you the bible today you may want to listen to drew Brees talk about um meditative prayers that can help you feel better today Um, or you've got children and you want them to understand the bible and so we have kids bible stories we even have stuff that helps you fall asleep you know sleep is people having a hard time falling asleep Mm -hmm. so we have content that actually helps you fall asleep through um you know a cinematic uh very calming voice you know these are professional actors voice actors who are reading this stuff so you're just like oh wow like this is a story i've never heard told this way in such a beautiful way and so we have a lot of content that can solve different different needs for your day.
1: So I appreciate you you doing that because again sometimes you know how it is. I forget who said it first, but it's like, if your brain has to burn too many calories to figure out what message you're trying to get to me, they just move on. That's why things like TikTok and scrolling your Twitter your Twitter feed or something like that, you're getting little bite sized things and you're not having to really think about it or really kind of figure out what you're going to do. But I know you've been asked this question a lot. Obviously you're the CFO and a lot of Christians get very, very uncomfortable when you talk about money. This can be when they're sitting in the pew and they look up at the pastor that's talking about the tithe. That makes them uncomfortable. They think, you know, and rightly so, there's a lot of problems. Prosperity gospel pastors out there that have stolen money from people and then, you know, pretended like their lives were going to get better. And all it was was helping them buy another Rolex. But whenever you put things behind a paywall and you're a Christian, Everybody gets really, really up in arms about that, and I've never really understood it because I, I'm a you know, market economy capitalist. Like I think that the free market is the best thing that we could possibly do. What, what was it someone said? You know, capitalism is the worst system possible, except for all the others. And it's just kind of one of those things that that where we get to right now is people get uncomfortable with giving Christians money, but they're not uncomfortable being paid for their jobs. And so whether they're working as a plumber or a school teacher or as a cop or something like that, they're okay with getting paid to do their job. But when you as a Christian ask for money or when you sell something as opposed to giving it away for free, all of a sudden that's like a violation of their very foundations of, of being a human being. So when did you guys decide to put content behind a paywall. Talk me through that because I've read your Trustpilot reviews and, you know, people are kind of pissed off. They're like, hey, you know, I didn't know I was going to be charged and then I was paid I had to be charged and all this kind of things. And again, people just get really, really uh, up in arms about that.
0: Yeah. And and for us, right away when we started the business, um, we were a for-profit business. And the reason we were for-profit is to have the impact that we were going to need to have. We needed to raise a lot of money. We needed to raise a lot of money to create a platform that was going to have the impact that we believed we could have on a global scale. Um, But in terms of, let me just get a little misnomer about Prey. Even though we're for-profit, 80% of our content is free. So when you download the app, you might experience a paywall. You can X out of it. You can get all of our content, 80% of our content is free. We don't charge people to pray in the app. There are some premium content that we do charge for. So if you wanna get Drew Brees content, well, we gotta charge for that. You wanna get James Earl Jones content, we gotta charge for that. But a lot of our content is actually free. Um, but in terms of um, you know why for-profit, again, it, it is very expensive to start a, a company from scratch and to raise funds and raise money. And we believe you can have profit and purpose we believe you can have margin and mission and um, you know just think of a Christian bookstore we're like a Christian bookstore you sell books at a Christian bookstore those are uh, they charge you for the book it's just like a movie that you'd watch a Christian movie they charge you a ticket to go to the movie and those are for-profit enterprises and so we're the same way. We don't charge people to use the Bible on our app. You can use the Bible and read the Bible. We don't charge you for our daily prayer. It's our number one thing that people use our app every single day. There is no charge for that. Uh, but in terms of some of the premium content, we, we also have to cover the cost of, of you know, hosting mm-hmm. and all this stuff and, and humans have to create all this content. Um, but but we're proud of it. We, we think that you can do both. We really do.
1: Well, and The thing is, Mike, is things cost money. And so yeah. like when people, cause like we're, we're a donation based ministry. We're not a, uh, you know, a 501c3, we're an LLC. And like that, that's just kind of how we decided to do things from the beginning so that we'd be more nimble. So we didn't have to deal with all of the things that traverse the 501c3 route. And some people are like, well, why why are you doing that? Like, why are you trying to make this a for-profit venture? It's because, well, it's because if you're creating something of value Or if you're doing something of value, you deserve to be compensated for that. And again, I go back, whether you're a cop or a teacher or a soldier or whatever the thing is, like you're doing something that's of value and then you should be paid for that. If you're working in a business and a lot of people don't really understand this, let's say you get paid $50,000 a year working in some random business. The business is taking the risk that you will be worth at least $50,000 to the bottom line of the business. And most people don't don't think of it that way. It's like you're not being paid with unicorn farts and fairy dust. You're being paid with money that had to be made. And so how you become a valuable employee is that you make yourself worth more than that. Like, hey, you paid me $50,000 a year, but I brought in $75,000 worth of revenue. So when you go in to ask for a raise, you better have those, those numbers ready to go because if you're worth half of what you're being paid, don't get all bent out of shape whenever you're one of the people that's let go during, during a slowdown or something like that. So I, I appreciate you being so uh, upfront about the money part. On the money side of things as well, I feel like this is important. I feel like this isn't really asked about as much I remember years ago, and, and I'm not throwing stones here because I think this was a rumor and I couldn't find anything that substantiated this rumor, but one of the biggest apps that's been downloaded in the entire world for all of time is the YouVersion Bible app, which was created by the church that I used to attend and mm-hmm. you know uh, did has done great things and continues to do great things. And I, I know y'all like the guys over there and they like you and blah, 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 everybody's happy and skipping through the meadow. But there was this blog that came out that made me pause for a little bit. And the rumors were floating around that the YouVersion Bible app was selling people's data without telling them in the 74 page long, you know, agreement that you just click on so that you can end up using the app. And so it's kind of given me pause about all the other apps that are on my phone. And we've heard a lot about TikTok here recently about how the Chinese government is using your keystrokes and they're looking at everything, not just when you're inside the app. It makes a lot of people nervous. And so right now, I need you to tell me how else is the app making money? Are you selling our data to the Chinese? Are you doing something nefarious like that? Like, help me. We need to clear the air.
0: No, we don't sell. We don't sell our data. And, And the reason that we collect data is to make the content better for you. We want to make your experience better. That's why the data is being collected. Um, but we don't, we don't sell our data. Of course not. Um, there's no business in selling prayers like that, the data to other people. Um, For us, the number one thing is we want to create a world where everyone leaves a legacy of helping others. So for us to do that, we need to have you interact with our platform. And as you interact with it, what is the content that you like listening to? What don't you like listening to? What's the content that you're listening the longest to? And what's the content you're like, eh, I don't like it. Like, don't ever bring that up to me again. So data is an important component of any business. I don't think any business can operate today without data. There is no business on this planet that doesn't have some data. We use that data internally to make the platform better. And, um, I, I understand why other companies sell data. We don't do it. We make our money through subscriptions and partnerships that we have on advertising some of the content that we have. So an example would be we created this really awesome Bible in a year podcast. You may or may not have heard of it, um, but it's called Bible in the Year with Jack Graham. And so we just launched that in October. It shot to number one in the religion category of Spotify in its first week. Number one. Nice. It was number two on Apple in the religion category. And it was like number 54 of all podcasts that existed and on Apple. And we had 3 million downloads in the first 30 days. Wow. So uh, there is a way for us to make money there, right? Because mm-hmm. we know hey, it's on all these other platforms. We'll just have some sponsors of that content. They can actually help us pay for the content creation. And so that's another way we make money. But in in terms of the data, it's all about making it custom to you. We want you to have a better experience. What we don't want you to do is come to the platform like these people don't know me. Like, I'm not trying to listen to this pastor. So why do they keep bringing it up? So that that's that's important for us.
1: Well, and it's it's macro versus micro, and by that I mean you have a macro thing that's trying to have a wide impact for millions of people, and so you have to collect the data so that the experience continues to be valuable to people that you're trying to help. Like on a micro side, like again, we're about 400 episodes uh, or so into this this podcast. We've been doing it for a long time. I look at the responses to certain episodes, whether people are posting about it on Instagram, the emails I get, the commentary I get from my friends that have listened to it. That's data. Like Mm -hmm. if you think about it, it's not like on a spreadsheet, you know, or something like that, but it's data. And that gives me the information I need to where it's like, okay, Kyle, you've talked about this one thing a lot over the last six, six months we got it. like, you've talked about it. You've beaten the horse to death. Please stop talking about it. And then I get to make the decision as the, as the content creator, whether I go with what the data is telling me or whether I go against that, right? And and sometimes going against the grain of the data is actually a good thing because some people don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they would actually like this when it's spoken about in this way. So, so I can certainly appreciate that. But one thing that I will say that I can just hear it right now. I can hear my audience right now that if they they haven't heard of the app before and they go download it or they go to the website, they're going to see some of the people in the app and they're going to go, wait a minute. Because you use the, the phrase faith content a lot. That is a very broad category. That's a very big tent yeah. of people that, don't believe the same stuff, even about the resurrection of Jesus. We just elected a guy, or we didn't. Georgians just elected a reverend that doesn't believe in the resurrection to be their U.S. senator, right? And so that's all kind of under this. And so even as I'm just scrolling through, it's a lot of people that have – very liberal theology, maybe even woke theology, prosperity gospel. And, you know, you're going to not see people like a, you know, Votie or a Matt Chandler or a Paul Washer or a Tom Askel or um, uh, John MacArthur or a Joby Martin or or any of these types of guys that are maybe a little bit more on the conservative side, some of them more reformed, whatever categories people want to be on. So what do you say to those people that are maybe a little bit afraid that not all the content is created equal and coming from, even a biblical perspective?
0: Yep. Um, Number one, I would say, our content that we put on our platform, um, we're very careful about the content. Um, We're also aware that there's a freedom of speech component. There's a First Amendment component to our platform. And we're not here to be just like any other platform which wants to censor people and censor speech. Uh, It's very important for us um, you know, we're American founders. We believe in the first amendment. We don't like what we've seen on other platforms, which they throttle, shadow ban, et cetera, content. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're a platform. You don't have to interact with every piece of content on our platform. You don't have to like that Joel Osteen's on it. You don't like have to like that, you know, some other pastors on it and, but that's okay. Um, you can go on Apple Podcasts today. And all that content's on there. And guess what? You still interact with Apple Podcasts, right? You mm-hmm. can go to uh, Google Podcasts. You can go to you know, Spotify. And all that content's there. And you may not want to agree with all the content. You may go, that's not my worldview. But it's somebody else's worldview. And they, they may want to interact, by the way, with a Matt Chandler. They just never heard of Matt Chandler. And so they may be listening to Joel Osteen because, Hey, that's what they saw on TV. And maybe this is the first time they've ex- been exposed to Matt Chandler. And they're going, well, I know that praise got Joel Osteen, but you know, they've got Matt Chandler, they've got, you know, Jack Graham. And I've never heard of Jack Graham and maybe Jack Graham's worldview could actually change their current view of, of, of how they feel, you know, they're currently being taught Christian concepts. So um, I understand the, the wariness of like, Ooh, you know, who's on that platform. It's a platform that's, we believe in the first amendment. Everyone should have the right to put their content on their platform. And as long as you're not advocating for violence, then we feel it's okay.
1: So one thing that I think people would say to that, and certainly I would as well, because again, I became a Christian as a 10th grader and I didn't start with John MacArthur. Right. I didn't, I didn't start with, with any of these types of people that have this, very defined theology and worldview and all that. So people evolve in their taste. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I kind of listened to this guy. Now I listen to this guy. You know, I kind of think, think that guy. Like, dude, two weeks ago, I discovered who Alistair Begg was, right? He's been doing this for decades and decades and decades. I just found him. Then I've been, you know, really consuming a lot of his his content. You know what I mean? I guess the question I would have is, I'm all for free speech. I'm all for the First Amendment, you know, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Those things aren't separate. I get it. But there are people that are concerned about people saying things that are abjectly false. So not just this doesn't really align with my feels. It doesn't make me feel good, but it's like, no, 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 this is not biblical. What you're saying, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. It's not a liberal reading of scripture. It's a blind reading of scripture. I think that's the thing that's concerning to people more so than, Hey, I don't like that. That, that pastor happens to have a Bentley. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. It does. And I, and I think that Well, wait, wait.
1: One sec, Mike. One sec. So I I kind of forgot my question because I I got lost But before we hop back in here. So almost there are people that say pray.com has a responsibility to correct the record on things that are that heretical, I guess you could say. So go ahead, go back in.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, um, again, we, we plant the flag of the first amendment and, um, the tent that we have is under the Christian banner in terms of our content. And I understand your point. I understand your point that, Uh, somebody that is standing up behind uh, a pulpit, maybe saying things that I don't agree with. And I can promise you, I don't agree with everything on our platform. I I don't. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to ban it. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to help somebody. And maybe the Christian light version that um, might not be something that you would like might get somebody in the tent for the first time. It might somebody like, oh, you know what? You know maybe not be i may not be a fan of prosperity preaching but i got to the i got inside the tent for the first time oh and by the way there's other people that i can get exposed to now that i'm actually inside the tent and um i think that's important for us we when we started this we knew that we weren't going to sit here and start saying which biblical teaching that we agreed with and then ban all others We planted the flag of the First Amendment. We planted the flag that this is Christian content. We're going to go and give access to all this content. And we may not agree with it, but does it get somebody inside the tent? Can we get people that are not faith-based, who are not Christian-based, inside the tent? And I think we can. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the feet are going to decide. The the ear balls are going to decide who do they want to listen to. And, you know, let each other talk it out and why this person, you shouldn't agree with this person and why not. We believe that the free free flowing of those ideas should have a place.
1: I appreciate you giving us your perspective on that. Uh, One thing that I've kind of heard you say a couple of times, and I I kind of follow the same thing with my show. I've invited... And I use that term specifically. I've invited a lot of people to no longer listen to my show. And that's been from the beginning. The show started in 2017. And the way I say things and the force with which I say and the content that I discuss. Some people say I talk about culture too much or I talk about it not enough. I talk about faith too much. I talk about not enough. Well, I tell people, I was like, there's like two and a half million podcasts out there. Like, you don't have to listen to mine. Like, why are you going out of your way to reach out to me to tell me how much you don't like? My stuff. Like, imagine going to a restaurant and eating an appetizer that you didn't think was very great, and demanding to talk to the person that founded the restaurant to let them know, "Hey, I didn't really like this blooming onion." Right? Like, it's just kind—it's a weird—it's a weird concept. Like, why? Why? I wouldn't take advice from you, so why do you think I'm going to take your critique and change my entire worldview? So, so I get that to to at least some degree. So, um, one thing that I, I kind of want to do here is obviously, this has evolved over the last you know five six years. The app. Y'all are constantly changing it. As you said, with the data, you're constantly improving it. So I want to know what you guys are working on right now that you haven't told anybody about. Mm -hmm. I want the people that are still 45 minutes in here, like, I want you to tell us something that you might get in trouble for telling us. Like, I want to know, like, what's that next, next thing? Because I know y'all aren't just sitting around, you know, sitting on your laurels, just trying to make sure that there's no bugs in the app.
0: Oh, you're going to get me in so much trouble yep. if I get all the secrets. Give I mean, them to me. I want I to. all the investors yet. All the stuff that we're up to. I don't care about um, them. I'm talking to you. Yeah. I, I'd say, let me give you a flavor of what we believe is important. Um, growing faith and cultivating community is our mission statement, growing faith and cultivating community and something that when we originally started pray.com, um, We've pivoted our business a couple of times. When we first started, we were like a, um, you know, like a closed Facebook group where you could pray with your church. Essentially you downloaded pray.com back in 2017 and you would have an experience in which you would pray in like a Facebook type feed with just your church. And our retention was actually really good on that. It was incredible, which is how we raised a series a off of it because it was actually that good. It was on par with like, Facebook and and WhatsApp. It was that, you know, retentive. Nice. And, um, it's just, it didn't grow very fast because you'd have to onboard churches by church, by church, by church. There was no clear monetary strategy for us to continue to spend a bunch of capital and, and, um, you know, not bring in any revenue. Um, and that's when we started this consumer subscription business where we said great let's create some of our own content it'll be like premium content and we can charge a subscription for it for those that want to get a premium experience above above and beyond you know the content that we were to make for free so next year um we said we need to get back to making uh, cultivating community an important component of our business it's been since 2017 that we made that a real focus and so what's going to come up is in the pray.com app in the, in the very near future, you're going to have an experience where you can actually communicate within the platform right now, if you go and download the prey.com app, it's kind of a self-serve on demand, you know, experience, you're kind of mm-hmm. grabbing your own content and, you know, you can listen to and follow, you know, faith leaders of, of different backgrounds. And we said, you know what, we should get back to the core of one of the reasons we started this company is to get the communication amongst our our users, our members, and get that going again. So what you're going to experience is, hey, if I'm following a faith leader, I want to actually talk to them. Mm. I actually want to communicate with them. And, and the other 180,000 people that are following this person, I want to talk to those people too. And uh, what you find on other platforms is, one, you can't do that. If I'm following you know, somebody on Instagram and they got a million followers, I, as a follower, can't hit 100, you know, 1. 1.8 million people up. There's no community for me to talk to those people. Um, in addition, if you're sending out a post on, let's say, Instagram to 1.8 million people, not everybody's getting that that message.
1: Right. Algorithm.
0: If they'd rather show the panda video, you know, some panda, you know, falling from a tree, then they may want to show that faith-based content because it doesn't, it's not getting enough revenue like they could from the panda video. So, it really comes back to the core of our company is let's let's break open that community chest again and let's actually build some features that other platforms don't have where communication around this content can start to grow.
1: That's interesting. I hope that was a little hard for you that that you were like, oh, I really have to be careful with what I say. I always like to make people at least a little bit uncomfortable. One thing that I've noticed, Mike, over, the, over our, our time here so far is, um, There's just some things that you're mentioning that are hitting my ears where it's like, okay, I think there's something else there. I think there's almost a level of concern that you're showing for, I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but like the direction of our country, the direction of our tech overlords, the direction of the people in Silicon Valley that basically get to control the dissemination of information. And the thing about it is, is when you live in a postmodern world, which we certainly live in now, a postmodern West, capital T Truth doesn't exist anymore. It's your truth and my truth and their truth. And like, it's it's that type of a thing. And when you get rid of capital T truth, you get to control what facts are, right? You get to adjust how people view the world and you get to basically undergird, what, undergird whatever worldview you have with all your own facts. Like it's just, it's a crazy weird place that we're living in right now. To a degree, do you feel like the work that you're doing within pray.com is to to fight against that because it's one thing to say yeah we're not going to shadow ban people yeah we're not going to you know hold people down and you know, we're not going to b- ban free speech and all that but it's another thing to say like no there's there's darkness in culture right now and we're going to use what we're doing to push back against it.
0: Uh, I, I love the question because I'm probably the firebrand amongst the founders that believe that uh, we're on a dangerous path. We're on a path that there are forces. And whether they're government or cultural forces that want to suppress faith, they want to eliminate the concept of faith, they want to put it into a negative light. That actually, if you're Christian, you're radical, that if you're a faith based person, you're radical. And um, it's really a US phenomenon. Um, I know Elon has coined like the woke virus or whatever, right. In, in a recent tweet, um, and I don't know, I can't, I can't tell you the list of the things on the woke list. Um, but I know one of the things on the list and is to paint Christians as evil people, as people that, um, you know, that want to suppress the ability for people to live their lives and do all these things. And, um, I believe our platform will be the counter to that. I believe when people have access to our content and hear the messages of what's being said, they will feel differently. And this is a battle. This is a cultural battle. And we cannot sit on the sidelines and wait for our churches to be emptied. We cannot wait and sit back for all the people in Silicon Valley. And by the way, we have some incredible like some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, invested in pray.com. So there are people out there that clearly know the power and the impact of our platform and where we can go. But in the majority of Silicon Valley, they're not faith-based people. They don't care. They're, they, they have a mindset that's different. And you can see that with the censorship that goes around on the biggest platforms on earth. And so if we don't stand up and do something about it, we're gonna sit back and we're gonna watch stuff erode. Um, you know the you're doing that right now kyle whether you i mean you probably know it obviously your your listeners probably know it you're one of those people you're the daily wire you're the blaze you're the platforms that are like you know what we're not gonna sit here and just take it we're not just gonna be quiet we're not gonna just let them whoever they are and to us it's people that disagree with our faith-based message, and it's a it's a message of love and hope, and actually, um, it comes from a biblical truth. It does. There's a book that was written, and there's truth to it. And we're not going to sit here and let them erode it. And um, I know the guys at Daily Wire. I've talked to the Blaze. I'm talking to you. There is a group of us out there that feel like um, if we don't stand up and do something about it, the the norms that we're used to today will become fringe will become the outcast (laughs) by the way we're the majority yeah 80 of the united states is christian we are the majority and we're being treated like we're freaks we're being talked at and 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 being told that our views are archaic and um and and really um what's happening is Their messaging is actually demonic. You should not be advocating for death to people. Right. And so, um, you know, listen, our platform, something super interesting about it, Kyle, is we've got a bunch of uh, Democrats and a bunch of Republicans. We've done surveys and it's almost 50 50. You'd be shocked by it. Hmm. Um, The reality is the godless portion of America is actually a very there's a sliver of godlessness, and it's actually in the far left, and it's actually white liberals. And this is a survey that was taken; it's not something I made up or something up. Mm-hmm. And they don't agree with the faith uh, concept. They don't agree with the with the things that teach faith concepts. And so that's the area that I'd love to actually help. I'd love for them to get our content. I'd love for somehow they walk into. Um, our content on, on, on the internet. And if they do, it's gonna break down this hardened, like angry mentality that they have and it's gonna soften them up. And I think that we're the forefront. I think what you do, Kyle, what we do at Prey, what some of these other platforms do, and, and I don't agree with everything that everybody says. Yeah. You know, I don't know everything you've ever, ever put out there on, on content land and you don't know what I've said. But I think we understand where we need to go. And we're not going to sit here and just take it.
1: and again, it's what we were talking about earlier, Mike, where it's the white college educated liberals that have never had to pray the prayer, give us this day, our daily bread, and they can explain everything. They just need the right textbook, right? Uh, They just need the right worldview or the the right chakra or the right, you know, uh, tension on the tree that they hooked their ponytail to. That's going to tell them, you know, how we got to the world we have today. So as you're saying all that, I super duper agree with that. Because conservatives now, because of things like the blaze and daily wire are no longer saying, Hey, Hey, I'll let you push and push and push, but you know, don't push too far. Cause you know, uh, you don't want to see me when I get angry, you know, because what it's been like for decades, seemingly, as you look at this, Mike, and I'm trying not to be ignorant of history, but it's like conservatives and, and well-meaning Christians would let people push and push and push. And then the war would end and the conservatives woke up and were like, ah, oh, uh, I, uh, they never competed in a battle. They, they never pushed back themselves. The war had passed them by. And here they are sitting with their, their sword with no blood on it and their, their armor with no indentations on it. And I feel like conservatives are standing up and pushing back in a respectful manner, but a full-throated manner. And we didn't really get the full-throatedness. And that's where you get these, these people that think it's a good idea. Well, I want to be known for what I'm for and not what I'm against. It's like, dummy, when you say you're against the murder of the unborn... You are also saying that you are for the protection of the unborn. Like Mm -hmm. you're you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. But all this that I'm saying and all this I'm weaving, there's something glaring for me here that obviously you all have noticed. But you see the Respect for Marriage Act, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, where the U.S. government is trying to define what marriage is as opposed to what God said it was, you know, millennia ago. You have how that's going to lead to direct attacks on religious people and religious liberty in this country. The Supreme court is currently dealing with some of those things right now, whether or not a gay couple can force you as a lawyer to represent them in adoption court or force you as a cake baker to bake them a cake or force you as a website maker to design a a site for their wedding. But you guys are located in California Mm -hmm. and Gavin Newsom has, has signaled in every way, shape or form that not only does he, you know, say that he wants to run for president, but that he is going to shove his leftist godless values down your throat and he's going to make you like it that he will use scripture on billboards in my state of Oklahoma to welcome the women of our state to go out there to have a vacation abortion where they hang out on the beach drink a a cocktail and then they take them into the clinic with their baby and they come out alone put them right back on the beach y'all are literally behind enemy lines right now. And you're in the crosshairs of these government agencies that want y'all to not exist. It took me a long time to get to where I don't even have a question, but talk to me about that because I'm not saying y'all should just, you know, tuck tail and run pop smoke and get out of there. But my goodness, like those are the people of everywhere in the country that are going to try to take you out.
0: Yep, Uh, it's also the, uh, state with the largest contingent of conservatives and Republicans as well. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Right. So you you lose sight of that because of the fact that um, the majority of the the politics in the state have been run, you know, so far left. Um, You know, my my thought is this. um, We were not afraid to speak up. We're not afraid to have the banner of um, God behind us and Jesus behind us. Um, So when you have that uh, as your. on your side, you can't lose, right? You can't lose. And so we wake up every day knowing that we've got God and, and Jesus on our side. Um, the other component of this is, yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. This is, is one of the most liberal, pla- I mean, unless I'm in Berkeley or, you know, yeah. Carolina, you know Right. Um, but I, when I look at uh, where we are, um, there's a point where it's going to be a point of no return. You're looking at the homeless crisis in Los Angeles, right? Right. And um, there's this uh, a gentleman named Rick Caruso. You probably never, maybe never heard of him, but he was running for the mayor of Los Angeles. He right. came to a stone's throw away from winning. Rick Caruso went to my church. He's a billionaire real estate uh, investor, Catholic guy, very Catholic, um, big USC supporter, college I went to. And he was in a, he was been a Republican his whole life. In fact, if you have a look, if you actually look at one of the debates, I think uh, it was, I'm not sure which debate it was, if it was 2020 or 16, he was actually like in the front row behind Trump in like some debate or behind like the, uh, the moderators. So he was a Republican his whole life. He switched to Democrat and was a stone throw away from actually winning. So what is that really saying? And what am I trying to say? I'm saying the, the there's a point where, even liberals go, this has gone too far. This has gone too far. And you can actually see it. We just had a, a study that came out and um, it showed uh, Gen Z individuals under 30 years old voting Democrat and Republican. And for the first time um, in the last like four election cycles, it has gone down in terms of the number of uh Gen Z liberals who are actually voting for Democrats. In terms of that mix is actually getting closer to par for the first time. And you're thinking in your head, wait a minute, that can't be true. I've been told Gen Z is crazy liberal, there's no way they would ever vote Republican. It's actually shrinking because there is a point of going too far and um I can see it living in LA by literally the guy that I go to goes to church with me almost became the mayor of a town in which he would never have a chance. Never. So I do think um, there is a shift. And but part the reason there is a shift is because we're getting our mic back. Kyle, your mics on. People are listening. And we, for far too long, there wasn't a mic and there wasn't a platform that people were speaking on because we weren't giving the platform to speak. And I think that's what's changing. and. You know, I, I'm actually optimistic. I'm very optimistic. I know, I know that looks bad, right? When you have crazy billboards in those places saying, why don't you go, you know, have an abortion here and come fly and, you know, have an abortion in our state. Um, and I, and I, I truly believe that, you know, call it a reckoning call it what you want to call it, uh, the tide is shifting and it's going to take, this is a real battle. And it's a battle of the minds. And, you know, just look at the influence on Twitter. If you've used Twitter today than you were a year ago, you can tell right now the voices that um, are actually starting to dwindle are the voices that were lifted up unfairly. And all of a sudden they're starting to get drowned out. And, you know, there's a thing about having influence when you're not even given a chance to speak, it's hard to be influential. Your ideas aren't even out there. Guess what? The ideas, the ideas are starting to get out there. We're one of the platforms that are doing it. You know, 14 million people downloaded our platform. They listened to our content. You don't think they were influenced in some way by the content that we have in our platform. Of course they were. And, and whatever they listened to, they probably influenced somebody else. So we got to continue to get out there. We can't be afraid of, you know, this train wreck that we see in which, you know, our government continues to do things that don't make any sense, that we're changing the dictionary definitions of things. And um, the reality is people, people really know what's going on. Um, The fanatics are having an outsized voice and that will dwindle. That will go away. They'll have their time and that time will end. Um, But right now it's the, it's the soup du jour. And we're not going to, we're not going to step off the gas. We're going to push into it, which is why, We've grown this year. You know, we have, you know, our, our platform's bigger than ever. We, I'm hiring, I'm hiring people. Most people in tech are, are letting people off. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of time. You just, you can't be afraid of it. you got to stick to your guns. Um, and you know, maybe literally figuratively, but you got, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you don't let, uh, these platforms, uh, get away with, uh, not having a counterbalance. And we're, we're going to be that platform. We, we invest in the latest tech. We use the latest technology in everything that we do. And we meet with, you know, incredible people that give us uh, bigger platforms and we will continue to do that, which is why, Hey, thank you for having me on this platform. You're giving me another opportunity for someone to potentially download pray.com become influenced by the faith-based content that we have. And maybe send it to somebody else that go, hey, actually, this is an approachable piece of content for this friend of mine who I know would never listen to this stuff. Our founder didn't listen to it. Right. Right? So it's a matter of time. It will happen. And you know, our our content has been around for a very long time. It didn't exist on pray.com, right? It's been around for thousands of years. It ain't going nowhere. And so we're gonna push back on uh, the ungodly people. And we're going to say, it, we think you're wrong. And I think you need to listen to this and you'll understand why.
1: Well, and Mike, I think you're right to point out that this is a spiritual battle. I mean, go back to, you know, Ephesians six, for we did not wrestle against flesh and blood. Like there's something else out there that we are contending with. And these are negative demonic forces that are in our governments. They're in our school systems. They're in, they're in all kinds of different things that can affect you on a daily basis. And just to be honest with you, like I personally need optimists like you in my life because I'm a pessimist because I'm the guy that thinks the sky is falling. It's not going to change how much effort I give to something. Like I go into every jujitsu tournament assuming I'm going to get smoked, but that doesn't change my level of preparation. It doesn't change how I compete within the match. And a lot of people don't understand that negative self-talk, but I'm the guy that the sky's always falling and we got to do what we can to catch the pieces before they hit the ground. So I'm glad to kind of hear a more optimistic perspective. But Mike, we've talked about a lot of things here. We've gone everywhere in this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. But for now, that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest?
0: I just want to tell everybody um, first, if you're listening to this podcast, share it with somebody. Just do it. Just share it with one person. You don't know how just this message today is going to impact somebody. So please share this podcast with somebody. I, I I think that you'll find out somebody is going to respond to you and say, wow, thank you for doing that. And that may change somebody else's life. So do it. I, that's all I say. You can go to pray.com. You can download our app. We've been talking about it the whole time. Um, but you need to take this podcast for listening to it and send it to somebody.
1: Well, I appreciate that very much. I tell them all the time, but maybe it'll work even better when it's coming from you. Well, Mike Lynn, thank you for coming on on Daunted Life of Man's podcast.
0: Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Take care.
1: There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed my time with Mike Lynn. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the only link I've got for you today is the link to pray.com. So guys, you can go to that link. And then from there, you can go to the whatever app store for whatever phone you're using. You can download the app. You can try it out. I highly suggest that you do so. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it wherever you're listening to this. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. that's info at undaunton.life follow us on instagram and like us on facebook and check out our website for everything else including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way just go to www.undaunted.life. and as always we want to thank the band august burns red for allowing us to use their music for our content the music on this podcast is our song cutting the tides which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.